Welcome to From Story to Impact, where we talk about the stories of our lives. I'm your host, Steve Gallegos, and I'm super excited that you're here with us today. This, so you know, is the official show of the Voices of Impact Awards, which was created to celebrate the voices that inspire humanity. Now, what does that mean? When we say voices, we're referring to people like you who've had struggles, you've had challenges, and you've also had some joyful, epic moments and experiences. And from these experiences, you've learned some important and valuable lessons that can help others do better and be better in their personal lives, in their relationships, in their careers, and also in their business endeavors, because it encompasses everything, right? Now, when we speak of stories, I know that we all have a favorite story. Some of us more than one. Like I have hundreds of favorite stories. We all have stories that inspire us and motivate us, stories that make us laugh and cry, even stories that make us dance and sing. It's these stories that connect us as one human to another. It's how we relate to one another. It's how we learn about our past and also how we envision our future. And so knowing this and knowing that there didn't exist a platform to celebrate these stories, we created the platform the Voices of Impact Awards, for you to share your inspiring stories, and we're making it a big deal. It's a big celebration, and it's all about you. To learn more and to apply for your chance to be a finalist and possibly win $20,000 in cash and a book publishing deal from Morgan James Publishing, go to our website, voiawards.com, and register to become one of our storytellers. And speaking of storytellers, our studio guest today is Mr. Troy Rice. He's someone that I call a friend. He's also a husband, although not to me. He's a father, also not to me. He's a serial tech entrepreneur, that is for me, brain health coach and speaker, Mr. Troy Rice. People call him a big kid, as you'll soon see here during the interview, um, <laughs> because he spends his time also helping people lead extraordinary lives with their exceptional brains. And he gets into it in just such a fascinating and fun way that, that you know, people said, you, you know, you're just a big kid having fun, aren't you, with all this serious stuff, scientific stuff? And the answer is yes. Troy is also an entrepreneur. He's the um, a founder of two agricultural companies, tech companies. Um, and so he's doing great in those arenas as well. But here's something that you'll learn about Troy, maybe you didn't know already, is that while growing up, while he was playing sports, he was bullied uh, in school. Um, and so he took to sports to kind of find himself, find his own identity and make a place for himself. And during that experience, he experienced several concussions, two of which were diagnosed as level three concussions. Now, this is serious stuff. And so as a result of these injuries, Choice has spent most of his life feeling like he can't remember anything. Like, for example, he can't remember that he owes me $25,000. I keep trying to remind him. And he just says, I, Steve, I really can't remember. And so um, anyway, these memories seem to always slip from his grasp. So fast forward 10 years from these injuries uh, with a will and determination to lead life on his own terms. Yes, and that's why we get along so well. He discovered his two major passions are education and health. And so now he spends his time speaking on these topics to schools, universities, as a growth, growth mindset coach, and also as a certified brain health coach for Daniel Amen Clinics. I'm super excited to introduce him and share with you share him with you today, Mr. Troy Rice. Welcome to the studio, Troy. 
Steve, thanks for having me. And wow, what an intro. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. You deserve it just like you wrote it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And yes, yeah, have some fun for sure. Listen, our job here is to make you the hero. And it didn't take very much uh, to do because that's actually what you are. You're out there, um, you know, doing your thing, but you're doing it not just for yourself and your beautiful family, but you're doing it for the world, right? Your agricultural tech companies are not just to help you live a better life, but to help uh, resolve some big social issues. And we'll discuss those in a, in a few minutes here because we're going to give the audience the full picture of who you are and what you're doing. So they're going to fall in love with you like uh, my wife and I have with you and your family. You guys are just incredible. And so I'm so grateful for you that you've given the time of your day to to be here um, and to share with us. And we're going to talk about your brain maverick story. And so let's get right into it, shall we? Let's do it. Very good. Troy, where are you right now in the world? Where are you sitting? Uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is uh, not typically a place people love to live all year round. It gets a little freezing here, but uh, all the less, it's, it's still a beautiful city. Wonderful. I grew up in Chicago. And so I know that, you know, the Midwest winters are really, really bad, but you being r right on the lake, right? You, you guys are right, very close, much closer uh, to the lake. And so it really gets windy and chilly there. And uh, yeah, I don't envy you. Although we're in Denver right now, and we're just moving into our winter season, but it it's nowhere near as cold or miserable as it is in the Midwest. How do you deal with it? Yeah, well, you know, I've grown up here my whole life, but uh, I like to think of it as opportunity because there are so many uh, family and friends that we have that don't even see snow, nor do they play in it. And so every time family visits, like that's the number one thing their kids say is like, when are we going to go back to Michigan and play in the snow? And so there are a lot of uh, benefits, I think, that go untalked about if you're somebody that loves to do that. And I love playing in the snow. Um, we'll probably also dig a little bit into like cold therapy and stuff, which I love to practice as well. Uh, so it has its benefits. Now, with that said, I do travel down to Destin, Florida. Uh, we have family down there at least twice a year. So I do get away and, <laughs> and enjoy some of the warm weather as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, just as an aside, and speaking of Destin, Florida, was your family impacted by this recent hurricane? Not as much. Um, the one last year they were. Uh, I think it was last year that we had the big storm uh, that came through that area, and it was more uh, in their uh, particular area where they had to actually take cover. Uh, but this this one, not as much. But I know that there are a lot of families uh, that are struggling down there. So, you know, prayers and thoughts to, to the families that are going through that right now. Absolutely. We feel for the, all those families, everybody that, you know, lost a loved one or, or homes or property or businesses. I know it's, it's, it's devastating. And, um, but one thing we know is that uh, the human brain and Troy, you're an expert on the human brain. Um, it allows us to kind of regroup and, right? It's, I don't know, what is it? A survival tactic in our brains that just allows, because humans have been exposed to and undergone tragedies for eons, right? Since the beginning of time, you know, through the dinosaur period. And, you know, I, I'm not a scientist, so I'm, I'm just recalling these times from my life, <laughs> from, from memory, right? Um, I yeah. No, truly audience, I didn't live in the dinosaur period. Although sometimes my wife thinks I'm a 
you know, a little <laughs> slow at things. And and so what is it, Troy, about um, our structure? What is it about that that piece of flesh between our brains? I don't know, am I saying it right? Is it a piece of flesh between our ears that allows us to do so many wonderful things and to recover and to create and to, you know, just live such an amazing life? What's what, What's your take on that? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, one thing that a lot of us aren't taught uh, growing up as kids, whether it's in the home or at school, is how to tap into that. Uh, and by that, I mean, most specifically, like your subconscious, uh, because the human, an average human has anywhere between 75 to 80,000 thoughts a day, which is crazy to think about, right? And then 90% of those are repetitive because your subconscious mind is working without you even knowing about it. The most particularly, when you breathe, right? Nobody, uh, unless you're really in tune with your breath, you don't think about it. It works for you. Your muscles work for you. Your heart works for you. And so one thing that I wish was taught in school and one thing we're trying to do a little bit better of teaching is to really care about your brain because it is magnificent, powerful, and it's vulnerable. Uh, I mean, your your brain is as soft as, as butter, uh, which is quoted by Dr. Daniel Amen uh, quite often. And so we have the skull that's that's protecting it. But if we don't grow up thinking about and caring about our brain, and you alluded to it a little bit about my my history as a child, we damage our brain and we continue to damage our brain. And a female doesn't actually fully develop her prefrontal cortex, which in essence is the developing learning, memory, retention, everything that you need to actually grow yourself uh, in your mind doesn't fully develop until age uh 25 uh mm-hmm. for for women yeah and it's even later for men uh and so what happens is we go through our childhoods and if we aren't thinking about that we do things like play physical sports we get concussions we might engage in activities that are not ideal for our brain you know like call it you know drugs or or alcohol or whatever you want what happens is we continually deplete uh, our reserves before we even have fully developed a chance for our brains to be optimal. So, what you know, what does that look like? Well, that looks like waking up one day and not really understanding where you want to be, where you are. Does it match what you care about? Um, are you depressed? Like all of those factors kind of align. Uh, and you mentioned it earlier too, which I do have a strong passion in food health and agriculture. And I believe the two are very, very closely related. And we're starting to see a lot more of that come out in scientific research uh, and in the media about the links between diet, uh, brain health and gut health and all of that. And so all of it has its place. And dating back to like ancient times, <laughs> you know, back then, like that's how we lived, right? You you woke up and you, you only had to think about surviving in the environments that you lived with. And um, there's a cool story we, I love to share. So I, I'm uh, Native American roots, uh, Cherokee tribe, actually. And so there's a story I like to share, which is like parents of Native Americans used to watch their kids sleep at night and close their mouth if they were mouth breathing at night because you are brought on earth to breathe through your nose. And that's what the purpose of your nose is to cleanse your air and everything. And, and all of this relates to to brain health and and all of your health, but they would close their mouths and tre- and train them to breathe through their nose. And we know as society, like everyone now is problems of sleep apnea, have problems with snoring, 
Um, and all of it is linked to damaged brain health, not being able to process uh, your toxins in your body. Because you, know, when we talk about livers and kidneys and things like that, uh, it's most notable for cleansing your body, but nobody really thinks about the brain. And the brain actually cleanses toxicity that's accumulated from external factors or internal, meaning you've ingested it uh, while you sleep at night. And if you're not breathing properly, or you're not getting the right amount of sleep, or you're not eating the right diet or taking care of your brain, um, all of those things are at risk. Uh, so there's so much to unpack here, but uh, at the end of the day, like just waking up and what we like to offer is, uh, did you ask yourself, is this going to harm my brain or is this going to help my brain? And if you just go throughout your day with those two simple questions, you can start to lead a healthier brain life in addition to anything that we uh, hope to inspire or teach more of uh, to help people, what we call be mavericks uh, for their brain health. Wow. Mind blown in the first 10 minutes of this interview already, Troy. I mean, that's just fascinating. And what strikes me is how we as a society, Western society, we view ourselves as so advanced Right, we can send and put men on the moon. We're sending men, uh, you know, rocket ships to Mars and putting, uh, you know, telescopes up uh, to look at the deepest, deepest portions of the sky in the universe. Right. Yet, our school system is so antiquated that mm. I, I, I recognize that we, once we were back in the agriculture age and we shifted into the industrial age. We needed people to work in the factories, et cetera, et cetera. And so the schools were created and designed to teach the people from the farms to go and work in the factories. They didn't want them to think. They didn't want to do anything but follow orders, memorize things, right? The steps, the processes that you are required to build the things to the machines that they're going to send out into war and, you know, all of those things that the factories were created for. And yet here we are, Decades later, the schools still serve much the same function. You're not taught to think. Independent thinking is clearly not desirable in school. Um, creative thought is certainly stifled. I mean, yeah, you have music classes and you have art and dance perhaps, but it's still very structured. You're not allowed to do your own thing. You've got to sing this or you've got to play that. And, you know, if you try and play it your own way, you get slapped around and you get a D. Right, because yeah. you decided to jazz up, uh, you know, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, right? Played yeah. a little bit different, right? And it's fascinating that what you're talking about, what you're talking about is the, the power of the brain, the function of the brain, and the importance of the brain in our lives. I mean, it's everything. And yet we don't, you know, we, ah, gosh, it's frustrating just sitting here because it's like, ah. What can we do? I mean, we cut up in frogs and those kinds of things, and we learn about biology and those kinds of stuff, but we don't spend a lot of time studying the human brain at all, or you know the the uh, what happens when you don't take care of it, and that's why we have kids, and I used to do this too, right? We go out and party, right? Because that's what you do, and you go to spring break and you party and you you know kill a bunch of brain cells and those kinds of things with alcohol. And now I hear you saying that we don't actually develop the the uh, prefrontal cortex until well after for females 25 years old and many to even later. So I'm guessing that some men, Troy, never <laughs> develop the prefrontal cortex. Would that be correct? 
Yeah, I mean, they say that the development ends, I think, at age 25. Uh, but depending on where you are with your brain reserve curve, and so this is this is a really fascinating thing that we love to to teach people. And um, if you go out to Brain Mavericks, you can actually watch me go through my own uh, as a personal story. But when you're born, the the point of what your mom's brain reserves were and how your mom led their life before you were born starts your brain reserve curve. So if your mom is taking care of her brain and her diet, then that translates uh, into your reserve curve. And of course, like your dad plays a role in there too, but your mom mostly. Uh, And so that's why they try to teach mothers like what you do during pregnancy and leading up to pregnancy matters for the life of your child. But from there, all the moments that lead up to where you get to in your life deplete and or improve your brain reserves. And so if you go through a journey like I did, which is nobody ever talked to me about eating right. So I grew up in a family that we ate fast food all the time and on the go. We used to eat food on a dinner, on a TV tray, in the living room, watching TV, not having conversations with anybody. Most of it was not healthy and we were always on the go. Um, I played three sports, like you mentioned, had three concussions. Uh, One of them knocked out on a football field, woke up in a hospital. Those are not not good things, Uh, you know, and so all of that starts to deplete your brain reserves. And I'd like to think that that kind of leads into people to making decisions and or uh, experiencing feelings of depression or any other type of brain dementia type disorder, because we don't actually make a change until a change is needed, right? Until we go in and we realize we don't change now. Well, where are we going to be? Uh, and so when I first learned about this brain recur- brain curve and I went back and evaluated my story and I share this on a video, it's crazy because I did everything to actually hurt my brain from the moment I was born until the age of 28, let's call it, uh, and then more better for me and my brain health into my, my 30s when I discovered uh, Dr. Daniel Amen's work. But when you think back to school systems, not only do they teach uh, a lot of foundational life principles, which is something that we love to teach our kids. I actually um, I created a a laminate card for both of my uh, older sons that has 10 life principles that they have to go through on a daily basis. That's not covered in school systems, including nasal breathing, eating right, sleeping the optimal uh, amount of sleep, time outside. Uh, getting actual uh, amount of sunlight, activity, steps, and things like that. Everything that gets kind of brushed over and or doesn't get talked about at all in school systems. And so they go through that light, what I call life principles chart uh, and check it off. And then we have conversations at night. But that's one thing that we want to get back and help educate not only parents, but get kids excited about because sky is the limit. But they have to be able to give themselves the potential to be able to do that, right? They have to be able to learn how to grab onto that and make decisions to help their brain. And what I was sharing with my 10-year-old yesterday is like the environments that you grow up in help shape your life for the future. Because if you think about it, even dating back to when you're first born, like a baby opens their eyes, they don't know anything. So they're using their eyes as inputs, right? You're reading faces, you're understanding what your environments are. It's the same thing when you're a kid. like. Every environment that you grow up in, you're learning where you fit, how that fits in with your own life. What does that mean for education, the choices that you're going to make? And so if we can get in there from day one and start teaching kids to breathe properly, to get the right amount of sleep, to eat nutritious food, uh, not 
you know, frankenfoods from a packaged good, then we can slowly get them on a path where they will have an optimal uh, choices to make that will only exponentially give them every dream that they want in life. And they don't have to start from hitting the bottom. And it doesn't mean that they're going to not have failures. It just means that they're setting the table for themselves to be able to actually go through those learning moments and persevere past that and hopefully tap into their their conscious and their subconscious mind to be able to to make the, the best of whatever environments that they're at. Wow, Troy, what a beautiful and important initiative. I love the, the way that you're training and bringing up your children um, because obviously you've studied this and you're an expert at it. And so you know that you can make differences in your children's lives that your parents were unaware of, right? It's like my parents were unaware of. And, and so it's not necessarily our parents' fault. Was this information available? Perhaps to some degree. I'm sure that not to the level that it is now, because I know Dr. Daniel Amen, although he's, you know, this is his life's work, it wasn't until recently in the last decade or so that at least we've seen um, his studies and his programs and those kinds of things. So I know they didn't exist in the 40s and 50s when my parents were growing up, right? Not that they would have found their way to it anyway, I'm pretty sure, but um, I know that these things take time and it takes, you know, many, many mistakes for humans to to make mistakes before someone like you and Dr. Amen and some of the other brilliant minds of the world make us aware that, hey, we've been doing it wrong all these years, right? All these decades and the time to fix it is now. One of the challenges that I know that you're probably facing, Troy, is that, you know, you're talking about teaching kids in school and, and changing the programs and letting them know that breathing and sleeping and Sports activities may not be the optimum for them and nutrition being most, most important, but yet you're fighting, we're fighting because my wife and I believe in everything that you're talking about. We've been studying it for years ourselves for our own personal lives, um, especially the nutrition side of things. We've changed our diets, oh my gosh, over the last decade so drastically from the way we used to eat and we've known, we sense and we feel the impact that's made on our lives. And it's sad when we go and we see, you know, other family members chowing down on, you know, uh, non French fries and chicken nuggets and, you know, things that, like you said, frankenfoods. And, and that, that brings up the, my next question to you is that how do we deal with or how are you dealing with, not that it's your sole responsibility, but how are you dealing with the 800 pound gorilla out there, which is the consumer brands, right? These these fast food chains that are just pounding us with, you talk about, we have 75 to 80,000 thoughts per day. Well, we're probably getting 250 to 500,000 ads per day thrown in our face about this burger and that burger and that sandwich and this sandwich and this fry and that fried thing. How do we deal with that? In short, curiosity. Uh, and that's what we can learn to teach our kids uh, and ourselves because Anytime that we have excessive amount of information that's coming our way, um, we're always going to accept what we don't question. So uh, we try to teach our kids uh, ask questions first and um, not so much to judge people uh, and or information that they see, but in a way that they ask a curious question uh, about whether or not it actually makes sense. Does it make sense to them and how can they find the best truth uh, and, the, and the information that that's out there? Uh, but like you said, like there, there are billions spent. Uh, and even uh, sadly enough, like 
There are uh, millions of dollars spent to hire people to write propaganda just to keep people uh, in certain places. And I know that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But um, so the best thing that we have done is I empower my kids to make their own choices. Because, so one thing that my wife and I made sure that we were never going to do is say, this is the way that we're going to eat. This is the way we're going to live. And this is what you have to do. So what we decided that is that we are going to provide the education and then we are going to empower our kids to make the choice. Mm. And so in other words, when they step into a friend's house, a school system, wherever, and it doesn't really have uh, great foods or promote good foods, we allow them to make the choice with the education that they have. And it's been proven example uh, time after time, which is we noticed uh, years ago that food dyes uh, would cause behavioral problems in one of our youngest. And so we shared that education with him. We talked about it. Uh, we even talked about instances where he had it and then the behavior that he had so he could visualize what happened during those moments. And then he goes to school and we let him choose. When his, his teacher offers him candy, uh, he would choose whether or not he got to eat it for himself, not mom or dad's making this decision. And so what we would get is parents would email or um, uh, teachers would email us and say, hey, uh, Trevin is telling us that he can't have, you know, Skittles or Starburst in class uh, because of food dye. Is there any other treats that we could maybe bring in for him to give? Um, and so that was the moment where we realized, like, excellent, like Trevin actually is sticking up for himself when we're not in the room. And we feel like that is the best way to guide yourself in a society that continually pumps out uh, propaganda and promotion of poor uh, foods. And so I trust that my kids understand the decisions that they're making, even if they choose to eat foods that are not healthy or high in sugar, they know what the consequences uh, of them doing that. And they're okay with that decision. Uh, wow. Knowing mom and dad are not going to do that. And so that's the way that we implore it. Now, educational wise, I always teach uh, no judgment, no shame, meaning they're going to recognize kids bring lunches to school that have, and I have sat in class, actually visually seen this uh, pop tarts for lunch, followed by, you know, chips as their snack and candy. And, and that's what their lunch is, right? Let alone like the foods they buy in a cafeteria. Uh, their own lunches are terrible. Uh, and so the one thing that we do is we never have our kids actually place shame, blame, and in those conversations. If they are wanting to help and empower, then they can ask a question or they could say, hey, did you know like that Pop-Tart's got like 50 grams of sugar in it and leave it at the question mark um, and let the, the kid come home, ask a parent, talk about it with their parents. Uh, and then we can do our job to continue educating uh, outside that medium. So that's how we've chosen to explore knowing that um, it is an uphill battle and it's a battle that we're going to continue to fight. Uh, but there are incredible people out in this world uh, like, like you and Alethea uh, and everybody else that we are connected with that is out there to help. And uh, I think we're heading in the right direction. Man, if, if we were in an arena, you'd be receiving a standing ovation right now because just, I mean, talk about a hero, right? I mean, you are, a true hero as a parent, as a entrepreneur, as a business leader, as an educator, your, your mission on this light on this planet is to educate. And you've chosen to educate uh, in this arena. Now I understand why 
you were so passionate about uh, Snapier and FarmBridge, um, which are your two agricultural companies. Um, I had always wondered how you got into it. Now I know the the backstory, and it's just such a beautiful journey. How you're putting all these pieces together. Again, as I said in the introduction, not just for you and your family, although your kids are truly the beneficiaries of, of uh, you know, your education, but then they're, it's the ripple effect. They're going out and they're impacting, obviously, the teachers. Now, the teachers are starting to think, hmm, well, if it's bothering Trevin, maybe it's not good for any of the other kids in here too, right? And so I can't just bring a special treat in for him, like fresh fruit or whatever, and leave the other kids you know, dangling with the Skittles and bouncing off the walls by, you know, one, one in the afternoon. Um, so you're making an impact there. You make an impact with the kids, <clears throat> with their peers. And I know this is the hardest part probably for them when they go to somebody else's house whose parents have no awareness of what you and your wife have uh, concerning proper nutrition and health and brain health and those kinds of things. And that's got to be tough on the kids. Have they experienced any kind of challenges like that where they're being ridiculed or bullied, right? For, uh, you know, Trevin doesn't eat Skittles, you know, who you think you're badass or something. Have, poor guys, has it been through stuff like that? I don't think so. Okay. Um, and uh, so maybe it's because the way that we, well, I should say, hopefully the way that we raise our kids uh, is to be leaders. And uh, we've heard that from the teachers where kids actually in school look up to them. And so, you know, we, we're talking pretty heavily about uh, food health and, and choices and stuff like that. But in its essence, like, I'd like to think that we are teaching our kids to grow up and lead by influence as a leader. Uh, and so therefore, whether they make that choice or not, people look up to them. And we're starting to see that uh, in school. And so, um, they haven't had that experience. Now I will say like, there are times when Kellen will come home, who's our oldest and say, yeah, I didn't really eat the greatest at, at, you know, so-and-so's house, uh, or I chose to eat such and such at school today or whatever, but then he'll come home and he'll, he'll say, I'm just going to eat a salad for dinner. Cause I don't think my chance, my choices were great today. I didn't even mm -hmm. say anything. And I said, okay, Kellen, that's great, man. Uh, and so I think that that's an important principle here too, which is like, there are going to be times when you enjoy certain foods and if you're surrounded by them, sometimes that's just going to happen. Uh, but I think it's being okay with that and knowing what the next step forward is. And so I guess really to answer your question is like, if, if they are feeling like that, um, they haven't at least shared that uh, with me as a problem and it hasn't become a problem for their choices because now they make their own lunches and the food they put in their lunches is incredible. And I've, I've done, I don't do anything anymore. They make that choice. Wonderful. Wonderful. I can see, I can envision perhaps the kids. I mean, you know, this is just me thinking out loud that, you know, your kids at their young age would form some sort of a company where they're now creating lunches, you know, for schools and for other kids. And so, yeah, that would be a fun thing to do. You know, there's, like you said, we're just unpacking so much here. I mean, we're talking about parental decisions. We're talking about programming that you get from being in the womb, right? From your mother's experiences and whatever mm. she's experiencing through, through uh, the pregnancy is starts formulating your brain. And this is why, as we teach in the personal development world, that from the day we're born up until 
we consciously make the decision to do something different. We're constantly being programmed about who we are, who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to think, and those kinds of things. And if our parents don't know, they're not aware, and so they abuse us, they, they mistreat us. We're sexually abused, we're physically abused, we're mentally abused, we're told, mm. as in my case, you know, since the age of four, you're good for nothing. Actually, my, my full name was absolutely good for nothing. And I lived with believing that until I was 17 and beyond. And it took several attempts at suicide to figure out that I wasn't good for nothing. I'm good at a lot of things. And so I've spent the rest of my life proving it and disproving what my parents had programmed me with. But then I also learned that it's because they were programmed to believe that way about themselves. And physical violence was their way of showing love, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, but you know, those are subjects we could dive into. We could talk about these for days. And Troy, you've highlighted some very important issues about the negative experiences and the negative consequences that can result to our brains uh, as a result of sports, uh, not breathing properly, nutrition. And before we leave our audience thinking, oh my gosh, that's it. My life is over. I'm doomed. <laughs> right. <clears throat> is there yeah. anything, is there anything that can be done to yes. reverse some of these, um, you know, some of these uh, conditions that we've created on ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well first of all, just thanks for sharing that uh, about yourself too. Um, just letting that sink in for a minute. So thank you. Um, and uh, I think it's important to go back to my childhood and then to where I'm at now, because I think it's easy to say uh, for those that grow up with parents that are educated in any of these spaces, they have a leg up. Um, but it doesn't, that's not where you have to start from. And I think you sharing your story and what I'm about to share now means that, and I truly believe this, um, you're not stuck with the brain you have today, tomorrow, the next day. You have a choice to make. Uh, and so, and, and, and Dr. Daniel Amen and a lot of the SPECT imaging and the work that he does has proven that. Clinical studies have proven that. Even at super athletes with uh, TBI or, or, or traumatic brain injury have reversed their uh, memory loss completely with some of the programs and stuff they went through. So just just let that sink in for a minute. Like that, it's okay. Wherever you're at is okay. Um, and so, you know, for me, I it's, it really started at birth for me. Um, I nearly died when I was born. Um, my local cord was wrapped around my neck, and luckily I had. My grandma in the room as a nurse that kind of flagged something was wrong and saved my life. Um, and so when I practice gratitude in the morning, which I'd encourage everybody to do, um, I make sure that that's part of it because that now I'm here on earth and I can do my best to be the good human and share that with other people. Um, but from there, that stemmed in a whole bunch of problems. Um, I had ear surgeries, eye surgeries, <laughs> everything before I was even age 10. Uh, and so my eyes were so bad. I had uh, huge bifocal glasses and, and, you know, like today, today's world of Warby Parker's where you can get these awesome specs and, and, uh, glasses are probably not even thought of, uh, people wearing them. But back then, like if you had glasses and they were this, you know, thick bifocal ones, you got picked on. Uh, and so when I was a kid, um, I have vivid memories of, uh, basically kids bullying me, uh, verbally 
actually uh, taking my glasses off my face on the bus and stomping on them. Um, I remember crying home from school many days, my parents not knowing what to do. Uh, school was not a safe place for me. So the only thing that I had going for me in my life was uh, my dad was an athlete. Uh, and I'd like to think that's probably where I got some of that ability and some of the training is uh, he played uh, minor league baseball. Uh, and so I grew up playing three sports and I was a decent athlete. And so people looked up to me because I was good at, at sports. Um, but it wasn't my appearance appearance that didn't save me at all. Uh, and so, uh, what I learned at an early age though, was how to channel that into kindness. Uh, because I would soon help others that would, that would be bullied in school. Like, uh, for example, on the playground, I would invite kids that don't know how to play football at all. I would be a captain and I would pick them first. And all my friends would be like, why would you pick so-and-so? Like, and it's because I was trying to lift them up. Uh, and so I had learned at a young age that I could do that. I could leverage my heart uh, and do that. But it was difficult. <laughs> it was very difficult. Um, and that that's just the emotional trauma part of damaging your brain, right? We talk about physical and actually hitting your brain, but emotional trauma too. Uh, and so that wasn't safe for me. But the other thing that I used to share in schools before we move on to, to later and, and, and poor diet uh, was this concept of perspectives of bullying. And I think this fits for many different uh, facets of life around uh, difference in opinion or world perspectives, which is to ask a better question. Because I would soon learn like there was bullying programs out there. They would talk about bullying. Most of them would be uh, a shaming or shunning way to shut a bully out. Uh, but it was never about asking the question because what I would soon learn and what I practiced even as a kid, but didn't know it then, uh, was if you ask the right question, I believe the bully and the victim of bullying are coming from a similar place. And what I mean by that is insecurity, uh, meaning one person is not comfortable with themselves, maybe in a in confidence way. And the bully is not comfortable with themselves because of maybe a broken home. Uh, and so I would later in high school end up dating one of my biggest bullies uh, when I was a kid because I learned more about her. I learned that she grew up uh, with, a, with a father that was very verbally and physically abusive uh, and she wasn't safe. And her way to feel safe at school was to put others down. Uh, and so I think we would find that out by most things if we just were a little bit more curious and we taught that in schools. And so I would actually uh, travel around speaking about that in schools to get people to ask better questions. So jump start, uh, uh, jump kick a little bit further into that journey. Um, I went into college, right? Got a degree in finance all on the way, eating poor diets, fast food, high sugar foods. Uh, the only thing that was keeping me somewhat healthy was, was being active. Uh, but ultimately, uh, landed a career job in corporate, spent 10 years in corporate, uh, did a lot of great things, built some culture programs for a $2 billion company, slowly learned about how I love to help people, but then hit a severe form of depression. And it's sad to say that because I had, uh, uh, we had just had our first child and I had a beautiful wife, amazing wife, um, and uh, loved being a dad, but never loved talking about what I did at work. Uh, and it came to the point where I was literally like back against the wall, uh, depressed, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. And so these are the moments where it helps to have somebody there for you because I think resilience of pushing through and having a great brain 
uh, will help you jump through that, but also having people around you to get you through that. And, you know, I thank my wife every day for basically in a blunt way saying, what are you going to do about it? Get your ass up and find out what you want to do in life. And that's kind of what jump started me into, okay, well, I care about gifting education back to others, bullying and speaking. And I care about um, food health because we are just getting into how can I feed my body the right foods. So I share all of that because it's one thing to say that you grow up in a perfect environment and a great uh, way to, to grow your, your brain and, and nasal breathing and everything like that. But most people don't start from that. And most people have a journey that they go through and it's okay wherever you're at. So I share this with you and hopefully it inspires those that are in any tough times, whether you're an adult or you're a teenager, or maybe you're, you're a child trying to figure your way. Um, there is an opportunity for you. And it starts with some of the choices that you make, starting with your brain health and your diet. Uh, but then most importantly, um, being more curious for yourself. And I am excited every day to get up with the opportunity to be able to inspire some people to do that, to make that choice, uh, to be able to, to live the life of their dreams. Uh, and it's, it's really just a few simple choices away. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you watching this interview and for those of you listening to this interview on our podcast, you just received a lesson on how to share your heroic story. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, the Voices of Impact Awards uh, was created as a platform for you, for the everyday individual, not for the professional speaker, but for the everyday individual, whether you're a CEO, a doctor, a lawyer, a first responder, police officer, healthcare worker, beautiful nurse, a surgeon, and you've never really toyed with the notion of going out and building a public speaking career, or writing a book or anything, but yet you know you've been through some stuff. You've been through some challenges and you've been through some experiences that you've learned things from. And we've built that platform for you so you can come and share your story. And many of you are probably thinking, Steve, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And I want to remind you that our guest, Troy, here didn't come on here to tell a story. I didn't ask him, Troy, tell us a story. I asked him a simple question about his subject matter expertise. And in order for him to beautifully and articulately answer that question, he led us into the story. And if you were, I was uh, clinging to every word he said. I was taken in by his experience as a child about being bullied, about the Coke bottle glasses, about them being stomped on in the bus and him frustrated and his parents frustrated, not knowing what to do. I felt that deep within. And it builds even stronger the connection that I already had to Troy. And so this is what I want to highlight to you is just that simple in the five, six minutes that he shared that story. He created impact in me. And I know that he's created impact in you because I'm just like you, right? And so if it moved me, I know it's moving you. So go to VoicesOfImpactAwards.com, apply to tell your story. We'll teach you how to do it. and. What you didn't know up to this point is that Mr. Troy Rice is one of your mentors in that program. So when you sign up and you enroll and participate uh, to share your story on the Voices of Impact Awards, you're going to receive mentorship. Much of it is free mentorship. If you want to work one-on-one -on -one with Troy, you can do that as well. 
And now you have every reason to, because you can see that he's an absolute master at his craft. And more than that, because there's a lot of people that are masters at their craft and in their subject matter uh, experts. But more than that, you can feel Troy's heart. You can feel his passion for wanting to help you. And this is the way he is to everybody. Since I met him, he's been that day. Troy's never been, let's see what I can get from Steve and Alethea. Troy's always been, what can I give? And how much more can I give? Because I feel that what I've given so far is not enough. And we're like, who is this guy? He's a superhuman. <laughs> um, you know, I wish, Troy, that you were in the cloning industry because I would like to clone you. <laughs> And, and, you know, send you out into the world and, and put, you know, a billion Troy Rices out there because we need more people like you. And so, first of all, I, I, I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time here with us today. I know we only have you for a, a few short minutes, um, but this isn't the end. We're going to bring Troy back to for additional interviews. And Troy is also offered to lead a workshop on brain health for the people that actually apply and enroll in the Voices of Impact Awards. And so we'll be setting that up shortly and we'll be sending out announcements to um, your email addresses to let you know when that'll be. And you will not want to miss that because this is a master educator. He's a master instructor, uh, as you've seen in that short time that, that he's been with us here today. And Troy, now that I've let the cat out of the bag, that you are one of the official resource partners of the uh, Voices of Impact Awards, you're going to give a free gift to anybody that visits our website and um, goes to your page on our site. Tell us about that free gift. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to offer a one-on-one -on -one coaching package uh, for anybody that signs up. And uh, most importantly, uh, I know it takes you know a little bit of strength to share your story. And I want to help you build the best brain possible to be able to do that. So I'm excited to do that. Uh, and I would be, I know Steve was alluding to it earlier. I'd love to at least take a minute here and share a couple tips uh, for you on here. Um, simple tips just to help you. So we did talk about brain health, food health, and nasal breathing. Um, when it comes to nasal breathing, really just think about whether or not you go throughout your day with your mouth open or if you're breathing through your nose. That's really step one. Uh, to get a little bit more in depth with it, um, you can leverage nasal breathing to actually calm anxiety uh, by plugging your nose and pacing back and forth. And let's say just start with 10 steps and then breathing back through your nose. That's a simple way to start to get a hold of, of any anxiety that you have. Um, closing your mouth and breathing through your nose throughout the day helps with nasal breathing at night, which will also reduce snoring and sleep apnea. So that's an amazing thing. Um, leveraging both. Uh, there's a practice that we like to call a uh, focus and meditation, uh, where, you know, today everybody's focus is just being grabbed, right? Uh, attention, this touching that. And so, uh, in 10 minutes or less, uh, you can practice a meditation where you literally, you sit in a comfortable place, focus on nasal breathing only, and think about taking four count breaths in and four count breaths out plus. And so that, in other words, I would say at least five or six out um, and focus on doing that. Just count. And actually it's been proven to improve your focus because 
50% of the average person's day is spent mind wandering. So if you ever have been called out for daydreaming, don't be afraid or don't be uh, don't feel guilty about it because a uh, majority of us spend our days daydreaming. It's just what our mind does. But if you practice something like that, where you sit in a comfortable place and you practice counting your breaths in through your nose, out through your nose, um, in for a count of four, out for a count of five, uh, and do that for 10 minutes and just focus on counting, your mind will wander, bring it back. It will actually bring better focus to you in your life. And so there's a couple of, of quick tips around uh, brain and, and breathing. Outstanding, outstanding. Give us a couple of nutrition tips that we can like immediately put into action if we want to. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there are a bunch of powerful spices. I like to I like to go to spices because uh, very easy to add to any uh, food or dinner plate. Uh, but turmeric and cocoa powder uh, and sage are exceptional uh, for brain health. They all help promote um, blood flow, uh, which is awesome because uh, well, all of us really or I shouldn't say all of us. Many of us like to enjoy coffee. Uh, or caffeine. And coffee actually has been studied a lot linked to great things around uh, cognitive health. Uh, but one thing that it does because of caffeine is it it can restrict blood flow a little bit. And so the way that I like to, to enjoy coffee is I will put a little bit of turmeric, cocoa powder, um, and a little bit, actually I put clove and, and cinnamon in it too, uh, but it helps with blood flow uh, and inflammation. So that's a quick uh, spice tip. Uh, for anybody. Uh, the other thing I'll offer here, and this this one's awesome because most of us, or I'll just say majority of Americans at least love to enjoy certain foods, whether that's, you know, sandwiches, pizzas, breads, pastas, ice creams, the order of which you eat your food matters. Uh, and so a lot of our inflammation is caused from glucose spikes, from sugar uh, and then fructose. And so how we eat our foods actually matters. So if you're going to enjoy that ice cream, try to eat something with fiber and fat and protein before you eat the ice cream. And that's why a lot of people you'll hear say, yeah, well, I'd like to eat a salad before I eat my meal. There's a lot to that because salad offers a certain fiber compound uh, that actually casts a net. So inside your gut, that's what fiber acts as, is a net from allowing fructose spikes and glycemic index spikes uh, throughout your body that cause inflammation. So learn to leverage that, especially if you want to eat uh, powerful foods like that. So if you're going to eat toast or bagel, try to uh, put uh, avocado in front of it, put the fat in front of it. Uh, and, and so that's a that's an awesome tip. If you're really struggling with inflammation, um, gluten and dairy are huge uh, in regards to that. And so one thing I offer around that, and I talk a lot about it at home, because if you my wife struggles with headaches uh, and migraines. And one of the most linked things to migraines is gluten intolerances. Uh, and so I offer that to anybody that just, you know, enjoys breads and pastas and all that is if you feel bloated, uh, you know, inflamed, lethargic, fatigued headaches, it could be a result of uh, excessive gluten uh, cycles in your body. And so it's one thing to say, I ate a bagel in the morning and then I eat healthy the rest of the day because your body knows what to do. It will get rid of the inflammation, it'll reset, especially if you fast, it will uh, reset yourself. But what happens is most of us will do a bagel for breakfast, a sandwich for lunch, pizza for dinner. And whenever you do that, you're cycling inflammation throughout your body and your body can't keep up. So give your body the gift 
of resetting if you want to enjoy some of those foods. Those are beautiful tips, Troy. And I think that, you know, it makes sense now that your last name is Rice because <laughs> <laughs> you're a food expert. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, what Troy's sharing with you is, uh, I, I think, and uh, listen to your body, right? Because he says that if you eat bagel for breakfast or toast for breakfast, Pop-Tart for breakfast, whatever, you know, pizza for lunch, and then you have a sandwich for dinner or vice versa, and you're constantly just feeding gluten, listen to how you feel, right? He said, are you lethargic? Are you fatigued? Are you having headaches? Are you having, you know, dizzy, not being able to focus and those kinds of things? That's your body trying to tell you that it's toxic, and it's trying to eliminate those toxins or warn you that, wait a minute, we're going off the deep end here, and you need to slow down and pay attention to that. I also want to mention that um, Troy is not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, although I've played one on TV and sometimes on Facebook. Um, but Troy's done a lot of research on this, right? This is his, this is his, you know, lives it day in and day out. And he has for a number of years. He studied it. He's a brain health, certified brain health expert uh, through the Amen clinics. And th that's not something that everybody can achieve. Um, Troy has done it. And so he knows what he's talking about, but regardless of whether he was or he is a doctor, which like I said, he's not, regardless of whether he was the top surgeon in the world, which he's not, um, do your own research, right? Don't take my word for it. I love Troy, but don't take his word for it because we want you to do like he teaches his kids, make your own decisions. Absolutely. But but make your own decisions based on facts, not based on what the media is telling you, not based upon what the, you know, big, powerful um, food franchises are telling you that, hey, come on in for $1.99 and we'll feed your entire family for the rest of the year kind of food. Um, do your own research, right? Check out the things that Troy is telling you, and you'll see that it is scientifically backed, that's medically backed. And then make the decision for yourself. You can choose not to. You can choose to continue living the life that you choose to live. No one's going to tell you what to put in your mouth. That's fine. Live the life you live, that you want to live. We're just here to give you information to help you elevate if you choose to do that or to continue the path that you're on if you choose to do that too. Zero judgment, zero criticism. It's your life. Enjoy it, right? And do with it what you will. I'm just so grateful that we get to have uh, Troy Rice as part of our um, official resource partner program. Um, Troy, and I'm sad for you because with the stories that you have and the stories that you shared, I, I think that you could probably win the Voices <laughs> of Impact Awards grand prize, but too bad because now you're disqualified from it and uh, we wouldn't be able to vote for you anyway because we, we know you too well and we're insiders. So, But just what a beautiful time we've had with you today. Just thank you for sharing from your heart, um, sharing your wisdom, and I know you have lots, lots more to share and we're going to bring you back. Um, so I, I'm just overjoyed with, with our experience with you today. Any, uh, final comments or, or advice that you might have for somebody considering, uh, wanting to share their story they've never had before. Perhaps it's going to open up some painful wounds, memories, um, or perhaps it's going to spark, awake some dreams that have been, you know, put on the, on the back burner for many, many years. As, as sharing stories often do, what, what kind of advice do you have for someone like that to encourage them to 
step up and make the decision to join us. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the, the choice we never make is the choice that we always regret. Right. Uh, and so one thing I like to share on this is like, if you think about people that write books, there's oftentimes where books are written when somebody's well into their seventies or their eighties. And it's because they had a story to share. They never had a chance or a choice that they made to imprint that legacy on somebody else. Because we all have, I would say we all have a responsibility uh, to really gift something back in this world. And that's why we're here. So if you look at it less of from a perspective of being fearful and how you're going to deliver that message, but instead of actually, what is my responsibility to deliver this message to the world so that people in this world can move forward? I think you'll find the empowerment to make the choice. So choose to take on that responsibility because you are great and somebody's willing to listen. There you have it. I mean, what more needs to be said? You heard it from the wise man, Troy himself. Um, just beautiful, beautiful advice, Troy. I never really thought that most people that are in their you know late 60s and 70s and they write a book, right? These are stories and this is information that should have been delivered much earlier, right? But we don't get to that point. We don't get to that point thinking that we matter until it's later in our years when the truth is that I've learned just as much from you or more than I have in the years that, you know, I've been studying personal development and um, nutrition and those kinds of things. And in the short time that I've spent here with you today, I've learned, look at, I have, so you guys don't think I'm kidding. I have, you can't see it. It's, it's why is it whited out? Anyway, there's a whole page of notes there. It's, a, <laughs> it's, it's the whole page is full. Even, there, the margins there. Now you can see a little bit of it. If I angle it just right, there you go. See, whole page of notes. I'm not kidding, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> yeah, you know, there's this funny saying, Steve, I think that, that is, uh, you know, before your age, what, 25, uh, you worried about what everybody thinks of you uh, from age like 25 to 40. Um, you starting to realize that uh, there's not nobody thinks about you. And then when you reach 45, <laughs> The 60 or older, you, you basically wake up and you say, uh, nobody gives a damn about me, so I'm going to do whatever I want. You know, so like there's this age range where you go through this cycle. But really, at the end of the day, like your story was meant to be shared early on. It's just you go through these mental uh, games until you get to the point where you're ready. But you can be ready earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all matter. Your voice matters. Your story matters. And we need to hear it now more than ever. So, Troy. Again, so grateful for you and your time. Um, we will be in touch, my friend. We'll be, uh, you know, in constant communication as our um, <clears throat> applicants come on board and they want to train with you. Ladies and gentlemen, go to voicesofimpactawards.com uh, forward slash Troy Rice. And that's where you're going to be able to read and learn more about him. You're going to be able to access his free gift. And for those of you that choose to apply to the Voices of Impact Awards, you're going to be able to get a complimentary training from Troy. And um, I'm going to uh, give you a fair warning that his time is very, very valuable. So even though he's offering a one-on-one -on -one coaching package, you better get to it fast because we're going to have so many people applying and wanting to work with Troy that he's just not humanly uh, capable of, of dealing and, and 
getting to everyone. So if you want time with Troy, better do it now. Parting words, Troy? Thank you, Steve. Always yeah. grateful to be on camera with you or and or to see you and have a conversation with you. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Wonderful, sir. Camp, uh, we are looking forward to getting to Grand Rapids and sharing some uh, salad with you guys. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Thanks, Troy. All right, thanks, Steve. Thank you.